From Outside's Healthy Living Group, this is HLG's Talk Healthy Today podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Davis. It's that time of year again where people make their New Year's resolutions and all of that. But you know what? We're not going to be talking about New Year's resolutions because both my guest and I, Dr. Ian Smith, don't really believe in resolutions. It's more about what can you do throughout the year? How can you make realistic goals? And if you're interested in weight loss, you will be very excited about this interview. We're talking again with the wonderful Dr. Ian Smith about his brand new book, Burn, Melt, Shred, Eight Weeks to Transform Your Body. Dr. Ian Smith is the author of the number one New York Times bestselling books, Shred, The Revolutionary Diet, and Super Shred, The Big Results Diet, and Blast the Sugar Out. He is also the author of The Clean 20, which became an instant New York Times bestseller, helping hundreds of thousands of people reduce bad sugars from their diet, lose weight, lower blood sugar levels, and cut the cravings. Dr. Smith was appointed by President Obama to a second term on the prestigious President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. He is a former co-host of the Emmy Award-winning syndicated daytime talk show, The Doctors. He also served as a medical and diet expert for six seasons on VH1's highly rated celebrity fit club. Club and is a creator and founder of the National Health Initiatives, the 50 Million Pound Challenge, and the Makeover Mile. Dr. Smith is a former medical correspondent for NBC News Network and News Channel 4 in New York, where he filed reports for NBC Nightly News and the Today Show, as well as WNBC's various news broadcasts. If I read his whole bio, that would be the whole show. Dr. Ian Smith, welcome to Talk Healthy Today. So excited to have you. Lisa, great to be with you. You know, I realize it's been way too long. I've had you on my the, a former show I had on NPR called It's Your Health, and then I still have a podcast, Naturally Savvy. And I've been thinking about you over the years and saying, it seems like every time I turn around, you have a new book, you're always <laughs> doing something exciting, and it's about darn time that I have you back. So I'm thrilled to see you. You look handsome as ever. I'm excited about your new book. I read it last night and was looking at all the food and, and the plan and the fitness, and it looks amazing. It is called Burn, Melt, Shred, Transform Your Body in Eight Weeks. And tell us how you took a little bit of a different tack on this than you usually do. Yeah, th- there's a there's a story behind this book, and maybe as I get older, more of my books have more stories to them. Um, but, you know, I was waiting for my kids outside of school, uh, towards mid late December. And I was just waiting, sitting in the car with myself. I wasn't on my phone. Like I typically am. So I was just sitting there thinking. And an idea just popped in my head is, was how could I help as many people as possible in 2022? And the first thing that came to my mind was affordability. Uh, right. you know, we're in these tough times of the pandemic, people are stressed, people have financial stress. So how can I help as many people as possible in 2022? So I decided, uh, my whole thing was 99 cents a week for eight weeks that I would help you. That's $7.99 rounded up, okay? Um, and so the other thing I wanted to add to it, so in order to make that available, I decided to self-publish this book, okay? I didn't go through my publisher. I self-published like any other self-published author, which is a very interesting experience, a whole other conversation. Yeah. But, but I wanted to make it available to everyone inexpensively. So I self-published. The second thing is I want to make myself, me, available to people for free. That's the other part. That's the bigger part of the deal, I think. And so for three months, I am helping people in a Facebook group we have. The Facebook group is called Burn, Melt, Shred. We have over 4,000 people already in the group. Uh, and it's a fantastic group. It's all positive. It's exchanging ideas, going through the plan together. I do Facebook live sessions where you can actually access me and ask questions. I do a daily motivational 
uh, message every uh, Monday through Friday, every day Monday through Friday. Uh, today's was uh, today's was simplified to magnify, um, oh, and nice. and then I do a Zoom coaching session. So once a week, whoever wants to come to my coaching session, I'm going to coach you. You can ask questions or just listen. And so all these resources between the plan, um, burn, melt, shred, the Facebook group, and me being available via Zoom, I figured I giving all I could give to people to try to help them. And so far, it's going really, really well. And I want to encourage people who are listening now that it's not too late. This is ongoing. So please join with your, your family and friends. Oh, I love that. What was it you said? Simplify, not magnify? Simplify to magnify. Oh, to magnify. I was like, wait, okay. Can you can you tell us about that before we jump into the book? That sounds so interesting. Yeah. So every day I write. By the way, this is going to be a book. So oh, this is my way of writing great. and using it in real time. So you can see here, this was today's little message I wrote out. Because um, I, I always wanted to write a motivational book for people who are trying to lose weight. I've written tons of plans. We get that. But what about, how about a little three-minute message to start your day? And basically, I won't read it, but basically, this starts in the Maasai Mara, uh, the great national game reserve in, in southwestern Kenya, where I was this past summer. And I talk about how simple it is there, how you get on this large plane and you just see the herds of animals and the mountains and the tall grass. It's quiet. It's beautiful and serene. And I say that when you are in these kinds of uh, this kind of simplified environment, it allows you to reflect better about what's important. And you start asking yourself all these existential questions about who am I and what is my purpose in life? What is the meaning of life? Um, what do I really want to do in life? And so my point is that when you simplify your life, you can actually magnify what's important to you in the conversation of what's important. And so the title of this message was Simplify to Magnify. Oh, I love that. You know, I do another show, Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. And I tape on Sundays. And yesterday, my co-host Sunny and I were talking about what we hope for 2022. And we were, she was talking about, you know, finding peace. And I was talking about creating memories. And rather than getting things and like, what's important to me, spending time with my friends, spending time with my family, even with the challenges of COVID, even if it's just over FaceTime or we're wearing masks, whatever it is, but to enrich our lives in different ways, right? And, and to create things that are long lasting that give us joy just thinking about it like my my husband daughter and I took a trip to DC in 2019 in April and we had planned to go back in 2020 well we all know what happened and yet I can just get joy not even looking at the pictures I mean that's nice too but just to think about those memories we created and really focus on that right especially when you're overwhelmed on some of the good positive times what you're saying is so amazing on so many levels oh thank you because my family what we like to spend our money on is traveling and experience Yes. Exploring and collecting experiences because what we realized is that those experiences nourish us forever. We talk about trips to South Africa, being on the Great Wall in China, uh, being in the Eiffel Tower in Paris for my birthday. All these great experiences are worth the money more than just getting things. Things right. that lose value, you don't use, they get boxed up. And so, so what you're saying it resonates so, so strongly with me because we too, by the way, spend hours talking about, do you remember when this happened? Or we'll be in the car and something will happen and we'll say, do you remember when our guide in Japan, uh, you know, uh, Yoki, when he said something really funny? And so you are so right. And I think that people would be better served 
by realizing collecting memories and experiences is much more nourishing to the soul and more long lasting than collecting materialistic goods. Well, I'm curious now, how have you handled COVID with not being able to travel and being home in the thick of it? I mean, I know you were able to write this great book, but what were some of the challenges you found, especially in the way we just talked about how we both find joy? Yeah, it's interesting. So we were living in a bubble, my family. I was living in a bubble for at least a year and a half. Um, no travel whatsoever. Then I realized, and we had a conversation, that COVID's going to be here for a while, um, unfortunately. Um, and we are going to have to learn how to assess our risk profile. We got to decide what is worth the risk. And so for my family, and everyone's different, for my family, it's not about necessarily wanting to go eat in a restaurant. We're very fine with takeout and bringing it home and eating at home and having fun together. That's completely fine with us. Do we miss eating out? Sure. But that's not high on our list. But traveling and seeing different parts of the world that is higher on our list. And we decided that is worth our risk. So this past summer, you know, we went to Kenya, uh, you know, to for two weeks. Was it a risk? Sure. Getting on a plane is a risk, but we mitigate it as much as possible and we assess our risk priorities. And that was it. So our way of managing is saying, is what we are going to do or thinking about doing it, is it worth the risk or do we just not do it? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, people tend to gain weight during the holidays. I'm thinking, oh, this book is perfect. Then I think, oh, my gosh, think of all the people who gain weight during COVID. Yeah. So that's such a challenge in and of itself. You know, it's interesting. I mean, the COVID weight gain is real. Yes. Uh, it's not just people saying, oh, me too, me too. I mean, I've seen people who are, you know, who have said that they've gotten bigger. And I'd say, oh, no way. Come on, just stop. And they really have. Um, and what I realize is that, it's everybody, not everybody, but it's a lot of people, right? It, it's probably the majority of people have gained weight uh, during COVID. And I tell people, don't chastise yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Don't be negative about it. We were dealing with something that was completely unprecedented in our lifetime. And it's completely acceptable that we were struggling to figure out what's happening. We were scared. We didn't. Everything was so uncertain. So you gain weight. Don't worry about it. We can take the weight off. We can get back to a, a better rhythm, maybe not our normal rhythm yet, but a better rhythm. And the reason why I wanted to make this book available to people is because I feel like people have been so stressed with COVID and weight gain. Could I create an eight-week plan that's very simple, very straightforward? The foods are very affordable. You're not going to five different places. In fact, I'm going to do a segment on Rachel Ray where I make the um, tongue-licking turkey chili. Ooh, nice. Um, and the ingredients, by the way, were $17.99 in total serves six to eight people so it's two to three bucks that's amazing right and so oh, yeah so that's the premise behind burn melt shred is how do you make it affordable and accessible to everybody but i do think that people um should not be so hard on themselves about the weight gain but i also think in the same you know way i think people now let's turn the corner let's do something about it now that we kind of have our footing about what's happening in the world and what may happen yeah, exactly. You don't have to chastise yourself, but you do need to, you know, take some action. I love in the book you write, quote, all that I ask is that you are honest with yourself and do your best. You wrote that when you're talking about perfection. Too many people get caught up with that perfection, and that's just a dangerous thing to do. It's a bad word. In fact, it's funny, you were reading from um, my note, the note from the author to the reader, and some people were like, I love, I've read that several times. I love your note. It's great. Because I think that you, I've always said to people, I am not perfect. 
and no one's perfect. And if you, you find someone's perfect, please make the introduction for me. <laughs> uh, but so I never asked anyone on a program to be perfect ever. Uh, you're going to have, you know, times where you fall off the plan a little bit. You have a bad day, have a bad meal. Hey, I build that into the program. I build the cushion. It's a forgiving program. But there are other programs, particularly keto programs, that are not forgiving program because you're putting your body into an artificial state of what's called ketosis. And the minute you eat something against plan, unfortunately, you disrupt the artificial state that you had established that's helping you lose weight. So that is not a forgiving plan. So I think that people are not perfect. I think people have to accept that and they can't be discouraged when they have a bad day. Everyone has a bad day. Hi, it's Lisa. Just wanted to pop in real quick and just say... I am doing a book giveaway for my book, Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. It's a cookbook, a memoir, a healthy lifestyle guide. It's not about dirty sex. It's a play on words. And anyway, it's really about overall health. All you have to do to enter is just sign up for my monthly newsletter. It takes a second. Just your name, boom. Your email, boom. And you're going to get great information, great tips, great recipes in the newsletters, as well as find out some big, exciting things that I have coming up that you don't want to miss. So go to lisadavismph.com today. All right, back to the show. Yeah, that's so true. You just got to keep going. I love this too. You write, uh, this plan, like any other plan, is just a blueprint. You are the construction worker of that blueprint, right? And I think that makes so much sense. And I also love this. You say the key to this plan is to treat each week separately. Think about each new week being a trip to a foreign place. And now talking with you, it's like, oh my gosh, of course, that makes so much sense with where your interests lie. So I try to weave in. I think, you know, Diet books are not exactly the most fun to write or the most fun to read. So I really try as much as I can to weave in personal kind of anecdotal relevance uh, for people. Uh, But I do believe uh, that people have to understand, at least when it comes to me, that my diets are not biblical. They're guides. They're a blueprint. You're the construction worker. You're the one who has to take this blueprint and make it something that actually works and can stand, right? And so you may need to deviate a little bit and customize a little bit because the blueprint is never perfect. And so that's why I say that you're the construction worker. I'm just the guy, the architect who wrote the plan, but you got to build it. And, and, and I think that's the important part. Well, what I love about it, too, is, I mean, not only in week one do you give people the different guidelines, but you also have for every meal. There, here's what you eat. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, I, I learned a long time ago that most people, not everybody. Most people want to be told what to eat, how much to eat, and when to eat it. They don't want all this freedom to make all these different, most people, they don't want the freedom to say, if if I say, you know, hey, choose something, you know, that has X grams of fiber, X grams of carbs. They're like, ah, 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 just tell me what it is. Too much, yeah. Um, I learned this a long time ago doing my show, Celebrity Fit Club, where the celebrity said to me, you know, Dr. Ian, we love your book. This is one of my early books, but just tell us what to eat. It's too much. Just tell us. And I was a little hurt at first uh, by the fact that they weren't embracing what I thought was great scientific medical information. But then I got out of my own feelings and said, but let me listen to these guys. What they're really saying is just tell us. And so most of my books, Lisa, do that. They tell you, here are your meal options uh, for meal one. And I always make sure it's flexible. So if you're a vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, carnivore, gluten-free, doesn't matter. You can swap in and out and customize the meals for you that fit whatever your dietary preference needs to be. 
Yeah, I was looking at that. I think it's so important. Like, I don't do dairy, and so I was looking at yogurt parfait, but there's coconut milk yogurt. There's almond milk yogurt. And so that doesn't really matter in, in terms of, like, calories. We, as a society, have gotten so obsessed with calorie counts. And in my opinion is we are overly obsessed. Yes, yeah, calories matter, right? Yeah. So you're not going to lose weight eating 3,500 calories in a day. Okay, granted, most people are not going to lose weight. But you also don't need to count every single calorie of every morsel of food or ounce of drink. And by the way, you can't do it anyway. I don't care how good these apps are. You know, there are fluctuations and variations. And so my whole approach to it is weight loss is stressful enough on its own. Let me do the work of calorie counting and nutritional balancing. Let me do that work. That's why you're, I'm the expert. Let me do that. What I need you to do is follow the plan. Okay. And so, you know, there is no set calorie. One day could be a thousand calories. Another day could be 1200 calories. One could be 1400 calories. The plan is designed that way. It's not like a thousand calories every day. It's designed to be a calorie roller coaster. And I find that people respond better to programs that have variation, not just in calorie counts, but also the types of food and the types of exercise. So I can't sit here and say to you that day one, um, these three meals have this many calories in it because there are too many variables. You may choose to have the salad for lunch instead of the soup. Well, your salad may be only 125 calories. The soup could be 225 calories. So it's, it's, it's hard to say what exactly the uh, daily calorie counts are, but I will say this in general. They typically range anywhere from a thousand calories up to about 16 to 1700 calories on average for the days, unless you're doing what is a designed low calorie day. And I have that in some of the weeks also. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, people listen to the show know I call myself a whole fooditarian. If it's a whole food, I'm going to eat it. If it's not, then <laughs> like I'm that. not. Uh, I'm not trying to lose weight. I just kind of, I want to maintain where I am. And so I notice that when I eat the whole foods and I eat good, you know, healthy fats and things like that, I feel satiated. So I never, ever count calories. Like I have no idea how many <laughs> calories I eat every day, but I do know when I'm overeating. I know when I'm eating for emotional reasons, when I'm eating, when I'm bored. Talk about that because especially with COVID, I think that's, I mean, I would guess that's a big reason why people gain weight or fear, stress. Yeah, there's so much gold in what you just said, because oh. you said that I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm trying to maintain weight. I have no idea how many calories I'm eating, but I know when I'm overeating. That's the key. And that is one of the big things I'm trying to teach people. I'm trying to teach you not necessarily how to follow a plan, specifically my plan. I'm trying to teach you how to make good decisions on your own. How do you walk into a restaurant and look at a menu and decide what is best for you to eat without overeating? And how do you recognize when you're actually overeating? Here are some of the cues, by the way. If you're eating when you're not really hungry, you're overeating. This is, this is all about your relationship to food. Our relationship to food is very important. If you find yourself walking around and you cannot pass open food or containers of food without trying some of it, I didn't say all of it, but you got to just have a little some of it. That's an issue. Also, if you find yourself having a meal and then within 45 minutes, you want to eat something else, either you didn't eat enough at the meal or you're just eating because it's mindless eating. So these are the types of things that people really have to work on is understanding first what's your relationship to food, but also recognize, and I say the best way to do this is journal. For one week, journal 
what everything you eat and drink, when you're eating and drinking it. So you have a timeline at 10 a.m. I had you know a bowl of oatmeal, a piece of fruit, and a glass of orange juice. At 11:30, I had 12 almonds. Really go through that and be specific because it does two things. One, it becomes a deterrent from you making bad decisions because you don't want to have to put it down if you're being honest. But two, when you do have everything nicely written and collated, you can go back on it and say, geez, I ate at 10, 11, 1, 2, 3. <laughs> so you can actually see what you're doing and realize that there are things that need to be fixed here. Right. Now, there's some things that I like and I know I don't have good self-control. Like I love dark chocolate covered raisins and I know they're super high in sugar. So what I'll do is I'll just take a small amount, put it in a plastic bag and I will give the bag to my husband and I will say, you need to hide this. And no matter how much I beg, don't give it back. And in a few days or a week, I'll ask again. That works for me because otherwise those are, you know, they're just the texture and the flavor. They're so good. I just want to keep eating them. Is that bad? Should I just not have them at all? Or is it like whatever works for you? No, 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 no. This is what I generally say about this. When you have a kind of a food trigger um, (laughs) that you can't really control. The first thing I say is you have to ask yourself, are you able to have some of it and put the rest of it away? That's number one. So someone said, I love ice cream. Well, are you able to take two scoops and then put the rest away? Or do you really have to eat the whole pint? If you're someone who can really just have two scoops, put it away and go on with your life. Perfect. Fine to have it. If you're someone who has to have the whole pint, now we come into a different branch on the tree, right? Right. We do what you, something, what you're saying, which is have an accountability partner who's going to help you, right? From overeating, or you have to say to yourself, if I'm going to have ice cream, I'm going to make sure even though I buy a pint, I'm only going to have a half a pint, throw the other half out or put the other half somewhere where I can't get to it. A friend's house. You got to figure out some way to physically stop yourself from doing that. And some people need that, by the way. You shouldn't feel bad about it. Right. You, some people just need that. Some people are able to say, you know, like me, I like chocolate chip cookies, but I will go. I like chocolate cake. I will go. Last night, I had a very small piece of chocolate cake. That was it. I have one piece. I'm fine. Some people have that one piece and it's so good and they release so much, so, so much dopamine in their brain that they have to go back and get more. So Lisa, it's about recognizing how you are, what your behavioral patterns are. And it's not about being guilty or feeling bad or someone being better than someone else. It's just how we're wired. We're just wired differently, but you have to acknowledge how you're wired and then act accordingly. Yeah, it's funny. Like my husband, there could be cookies in the house or something. And I, you know, I have a 17 year old daughter and I'd rather buy the cookies with five ingredients than 110 because she's going to just go to friends' houses and eat cookies. So here's some cookies. I have to completely stay away from them. Um, He can have one and then not have another for like three weeks. I'm like, I don't know how you do that, but it's (laughs) not, you know, it's like everybody's different, right? I wanted to uh, jump in before we go to the exercise, talk about some of the foods in here. And what I love is like you said, you don't have to be like schlepping all over the place, trying to find what you're going to have. And you've got baked chicken or fish, veggies, you've got whole grain spaghetti. See, that's nice because that gives people, you know, people who crave that thing, but it's whole grain. Uh, You have, this looks really good too. You have a portobello mushroom steaks, uh, first marinade in spices and soy sauce or balsamic vinegar with a touch of olive oil and salt and pepper to taste. So these are things that are really easy to make and easily accessible, which is great. Yeah. The key for people, I think, is we've already said affordability, but also accessibility, right? You want to be able to go to one grocery store, major grocery retailer, and get what you need. 
you don't want to have to go to these five different niche stores to find these really, you know, um, exotic or kind of niche items that you can't buy anywhere. I just don't think, listen, there are diets that do that. There are people who write those diet books. I'm not that author. I am the author. I'm the everyday guy author, right? I think about my mom who was a single mom who had three jobs and didn't have a lot of time or a lot of money. And so I write my books thinking about her when I was a kid and could she follow this plan? That is always my guiding light, my North star. And I think that this book burn melt shred, I think in this book, people are going to look at it and say, wow, I didn't know I could have this and I can have that. Well, you can, you're going to have pizza, but you're not going to have four slices of pizza. Instead, you're going to have two small slices of pizza and a small green garden salad. So I try to avoid deprivation, which is a problem on diets, but I also try to avoid overindulgence, obviously. And so I always find it's always a better course to give people those fun foods rather than call them or treat them like cheap foods because there's bad content to that. But these are fun foods. And I say, what is life if everything's perfect? It isn't. No. The texture of life is often in the imperfections, right? Yeah. And so, you know, eating some foods that aren't the healthiest, okay, great. This is life after all. You know, we're not going to eat like rabbits or I don't want you to eat like rabbits. So I try to I try to build into the program forgiveness and a wide array of foods that people don't feel guilty having a slice of pizza, having some pasta, having some pancakes. These things are all part of life. Yeah, they absolutely are. And I love that you call them fun foods. I don't like because the word cheat, it's it's just so negative. And then it just seems like, oh, I got to just be strict and bored all week. And then on the weekend, I get to cheat and have fun. It's like, well, that's not a good way to think about it. No, not at all. And by the way, I just speak of negative. Like sure. the reason why I love our Facebook group is because in the group, it's so positive. And, you know, yeah, people are posting their weight loss and they're losing a lot of weight. No doubt about it. But that's not my real kind of that's not the real gold star for me. The gold star for me is people feeling like they are regaining control, that they are learning and being able to implement changes in their life that they feel are sustainable. And that to me is wonderful. Yes, you're going to lose weight. I'm happy. But sometimes you won't lose as much weight, but you'll drop a dress size or pant size, or you'll be able to climb two flights of steps without getting winded. You'll be able to pick up your grandchild and play with them for 15 minutes. So these are all the things I think are important. Let's jump into exercise. I love that you keep it flexible. Like, cause if you don't choose something you like to do, you're not going to do it. So if you're like, you have to do yoga on this day and it's like, Oh, I hate yoga or you have to do running or whatever. So do you have any parameters? Um, there's, I know there's a time, right? You want them to do it the, the time that you recommend. Yeah. My biggest parameter is time. And, um, you can choose a variety of at home exercises. I, I mentioned some of the book. You can go to a gym. I love, love gyms, but listen, once again, my mother couldn't afford a gym membership back in the day. So I wanted to write the exercise program for those who maybe can't afford a gym membership or don't want to go to the gym for whatever reason. So exercise is about time. So many people say, oh, I worked out for an hour today, but they really didn't. They worked out for about 15 minutes and they spent 25 minutes talking, walking around on their phone. <laughs> so for my plan, the exercise time is most important. If I say 30 minutes, I want 30 minutes of actual workout, of actually doing what you need to do, of exercising. And so I often say, break it up. If you don't have time or you're not in condition yet to do 30 minutes continuous, no problem. 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes late afternoon, early evening, and you still have 30 minutes. In fact, sometimes breaking up your workout is better because now you have two hubs 
two metabolic burning hubs. So you're burning calories in the morning, burning calories at night. And so you kind of have these two different times where you're actually burning out, which is better for you. So um, I believe that exercise is critical. I think that people should exercise at least four days a week, moderate intensity, typically 30 minutes, or you can do more, but you also have to rest with exercise. People sometimes can also over-exercise. The body needs to recover physically and mentally. And so I have rest days where I just say, just rest. And if you're going to walk around that day, that's fine too. Keep track of your steps. But I think that exercise is paramount to maximizing your results. Yeah, you're right. You know, I had a funny memory when you mentioned, you know, just kind of like barely working out. I remember my family joined a gym when I was a teenager and I was like, people already know this, but I was like sickly skinny, really skinny where people are like, are you okay? You're so skinny. So I was trying to gain weight, but I would literally go in the weight room and I was so weak. I might, I think I spent 10 minutes in there. And then the rest of the time I would just sit in the lobby and eat potato chips. And I remember at the time my sister's boyfriend worked at the gym and he goes, gee, Lisa, I see you had another hard workout. He's like, nothing's going to change if you don't put the chips down. And I'm like, but I'm trying to gain weight. And he's like, yeah, but you want to do it healthy anyway. Just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I am not skinny anymore. I'm happy to say, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's funny how you can think you're doing something and then you're really just distracted. That's that's right, and and so it's all I tell my kids all the time. You know, so much of life is about efficiency, right? You don't need to work out for an hour and a half. You can work out for 30, 35, 40 minutes and get just as much done, if not more, than an hour and a half where you're being inefficient. And so, you know, I think efficient weight loss and efficient um, habits. Um, are very constructive and very contributory considering how busy we are, right? We don't always have the time. So, you know, I tell my kids, you got school, you got extracurriculars. That means when we do go to practice, sports practice, we got to really focus during that time because we need to make, we need to have an efficient practice. We're not homeschooled like some other athletes. And those homeschool athletes, they have hours and hours all day to be able to spend doing sports or, or practicing, you don't have that. And so we need to make sure that when we go, we're going to work, we're being efficient. And that way we can still be good and improve at the sport, but do all the other things that are also important in life. Now, what advice do you have for people who do the program? Let's say they lost the weight they wanted to lose, but they're nervous if they go back to where how they used to eat, they're just going to gain it again. I'm guessing the message is don't go back to the way you used to eat. Is there like a happy medium to your plan and then like what they used to do? Or how does that work? Sure, there are two things. One, and you kind of said it earlier in the, in, in the podcast, in the interview, mm-hmm. is that, you know, people have to learn during the eight weeks how to make better choices. So the idea, the hope, is that after eight weeks, you don't have to follow burn, melt, shred page by page. It's in your head. Okay, for breakfast, I'm going to have, you know, some whole grains. I'm going to have some fruit, of course and some tea or a coffee that's not full of a whole bunch of calories. Um, okay, that's breakfast. For lunch, I'm going to have a salad. I need some protein. I'm going to have some non-animal protein, maybe some beans, some other legumes. I'm also maybe going to have some fish if I'm a meat eater, some fish or some chicken. So the idea is that going forward after you've hit your goal, it's not about returning back to how you were eating because obviously how you were eating was problematic, which is why you had to do this. So, yeah, we don't want to go back there, but there is a happy medium of being able to reintroduce some of those things that you have not had. Like, I don't have fried foods on the program. Well, you're not going to live your life without having something fried, but how do we reintroduce it into our repertoire whereby we are satiated, but we're also not having it every other day? 
Right. right. Yeah. And so that's what I'm hoping. And some people will say, by the way, it's very interesting. You, you mentioned this. Some people will say to me, man, I went away for this weekend and I tried X and I got so sick. And what I say to them is, yes, that means it worked. Your body is rejecting the old food that was not healthy for it. And now you're feeling it. And I say, yes, not because I want you to be sick, but because that means that people don't realize that your body can acclimate very quickly to a new style of eating. Some people think, oh, my goodness, if I stop eating all these, you know, fun foods and start eating too healthy, you know, I'm not going to do well. I'm going to be sick. No, your body starts liking these new foods. And sometimes you don't even miss those old foods. And when you reintroduce them, your body says, "Mm, I'm good. I don't need it. So I think to answer your question, you know, more succinctly is there's a happy medium between reintroducing some of the foods that you enjoyed before, but not going overboard and enjoying now the new foods and recipes you've discovered. Now, I'm a huge fan of dark chocolate, but I mean dark, like 85%. So there's like three grams of sugar and half a bar or something. Would that be doable on your plan? Or are you like taking out all the sugar? No, that's doable. Um, you know, the back of the book um, has a whole snack section oh, yeah. um, where you can have it. And I'm sure that that's somewhere in there. But, you know, and I break it up by calories and by the types of food. Like there's actually a, a fun snack section um, that people can have, like guac and chips, uh, popcorn, rice cakes, um, salsa, a waffle. So, yeah, uh, dark chocolate and peanut butter. I say you can have half an ounce of dark chocolate square with two ounces, two teaspoons of organic peanut butter. Uh, So, yeah, you can have you can have these things. The important thing that people have to understand when it comes to snacking is that snacks are bridges between meals. They are not meals in and of themselves. And that's where we make a lot of our mistakes is that we eat a snack at near the same calorie. We eat a full meal. Well, so now you're really eating four full meals or five meals rather than eating three meals and three small snacks. And so I think people would be best served. And I call it strategic snacking. I'm a big fan of snacking when you do it in a strategic manner because it can help you from getting really hungry between meals and prevent you from overeating when your next meal comes because you're so hungry and so ravenous that you want to eat, you know, a plate that's double the size of what it should be. Exactly. Now, what about water? I'm a big water drinker. How much water do you like people to drink? Yeah. So, you know, how much one needs is different depending on kind of your activity, how big you are, all these kinds of different things. The average person probably needs between six and 10 cups of water per day. The body is 70% water, of course. Now, I use water strategically in burn, melt, shred. I say to people, and this is not every week, but some weeks I'll say, before you eat, your first bite of food at a meal, you must consume a full cup of water. And during the meal, you must consume another cup of water. And so I do that for two major reasons. One, because we tend to be a dehydrated society. So we're not hydrated enough. People don't realize that, by the way. They think in order to be dehydrated, you have to run around sweating or your tongue has to be dry. That doesn't mean dehydration <laughs> happens even though you look and feel fine. The other thing, reason why I do that is because of volume. Because one way to reduce your caloric consumption is to reduce the amount of volume you have in your stomach to put food in. And so if you dump a cup of water in first, then put food and another cup later, I can guarantee you, you are not going to want to consume the same volume of food 
that you would have had you not had the water. You know, I'd love to ask you about intermittent fasting because that's something I love to do. I usually like stop eating at six and, and then I don't eat again till like nine the next day. But I feel okay. I'm not super hungry and I like it. But what do you think about it? Well, I love intermittent fasting. And what you're mentioning here is something called TRF, which is time-restricted feeding, which is a form of intermittent fasting. There are different types of intermittent fasting. There's every other day fasting. There's the 5-2 method. And burn, melt, shred, we use both. We use what you just said, which is TRF. Uh, That is where you have two windows. You have a window where you're eating all your foods, right? And then you have a window where you're fasting. We're only drinking beverages. In my book, only up to 50 calories. The larger your fasting window, you can go from there. You go from 12-12 to 14-10. That's 14 hours of fasting, 10 of feeding, all the way to 16-8, 16 hours of fasting, 8 of feeding. The studies show that the best results from intermittent fasting typically occur at 14-10, But even 12-12 is good because what it's doing is it's allowing your body to drive into your fat stores during your fasting period for energy. Fat is a storage form of energy. And so if you don't have any food energy on board, your body still needs energy. Even lying down doing nothing, your body requires energy for your heart to beat, your eyes to work, all kinds of chemical processes that are occurring. So we always need energy. And so when you don't have food calorie, which is food is energy, we don't have any food on board recently, and you've depleted other energy stores like your glycogen, which is a storage form of sugar, glucose, then your body says, where am I going to go? Your body uses fat for energy. It's not a very, um, I don't want to get too scientific about this, it's, it's not a very effective way using fat for energy. It's actually very expensive. It's very costly. It's a lot to the body. But your body will take fat. Your body will take extra calories that you are not burning off, and it will store them into fat. And then when you don't have other calories on board, let's say you're not eating any food, your body will then take that fat and then convert it back into an energy form that can be used. It's not a very efficient process, but it happens And that's why with intermittent fasting, we talk about losing fat. That is one of the few methods where you actually can target fat because the fasting windows of intermittent fasting will do that. Yeah, I mean, I I would like to do some body measurements because I've had friends lately go, you look like you've lost weight. I'm like, well, I haven't changed. I mean, I'm eating the same. I can see it a little bit, you know, and I can feel it a little bit in my clothes. But again, I'm not trying to lose. I, I mean, five pounds, that would be great. I like my curves. Yeah, Lisa, people have to understand that You don't, when you're on a weight loss program or a weight maintenance program, you don't always lose pounds. Sometimes you lose inches. So you, sometimes you lose just pounds, sometimes just inches, sometimes pounds and inches. And so there's no standard way of how it works. And people have to understand that results come in different forms and you have to be, have your eyes open to what those results may be. Like your friend saying, Hey, what are you doing? You look like you lost weight. Well, you may not have lost weight on the scale, but, no, your, body, <laughs> yeah, well, your, but your body is changing, right? And that's yes. also part of the journey. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I want to remind everyone that muscle weighs more than fat because I was like, what the hell? Because I've been doing Pilates regularly. I, I exercise a lot and I, you know, I eat well overall. Just got to keep those chocolate covered raisins, you know, away <laughs> from me. And I was like, how do I weigh this much? But my BMI is still healthy, but you know, it's, it's, it, it can screw with your mind sometimes. It can, which is why I tell people, don't obsess about the scale. Okay. I mean, your BMI is more important because your BM body mass index 
is an indicator of what your disease risk is like. That's why we care. It's not about aesthetics. It's not about whether or not someone looks overweight, if they're good looking or not because of their body type. That's not, I have no interest in that. Only reason why I care about your rate relative to your height is so I can figure out what your BMI is and then I can know whether or not you're at high risk for certain type of illnesses that we know come with higher BMIs. So I think people should, you know, it's okay to think about your weight, but I don't think it's okay to obsess about your weight. I think it all has to be part of the bigger picture. I totally agree. I, I could talk to you forever. I'm so excited we're reconnected. I want to have you show on the show a lot. Whenever you have time, I will be reaching out quite a bit. Is yeah. there anything we didn't touch on today, Dr. Ian, that you were hoping we would talk about? No, I just feel like um, people can make it happen. And you have to trust and believe in the process. Next time we talk, I want to talk to you about a book I wrote called Mind Overweight, Ooh, which yes. has nothing to do with the diet plan. But it's all about what happens in the six inches between your ears, because I believe that most people fail at diet plans because they are not mentally ready for the plan and don't know how to handle it from a psychological standpoint. So we'll talk about that in the future. But I think in general, people need to understand, trust the process, be patient, don't make unrealistic goals that are going to only discourage you when you don't hit them. And you're going to think that the plan is bad or that you're bad and it's neither. It's that your goal setting was not appropriate. So, uh, and join our group, of course, uh, on Facebook. Once again, it's called Burn Melt Shred. I do Facebook live sessions. If you don't have Facebook, no problem. You can still do it. Email me, burnmeltshred at gmail.com. That's incredible. And where do we get the book for $7.99, which is yes. so, it, wow, that's so can, nice. Yeah, you can download it on amazon.com. You can download it uh, at barnesandnoble.com. And my Instagram is at Dr. Ian Smith, spell the doctor out. I-A-N Smith, we have people in the group who have agreed to help. If you cannot afford the $7.99, we have many people in our group that are willing to help you buy the book. Wow, that's incredible. You're just lovely. Yes, yes. I am You have. I am just so, we probably have an idea because my face is like, Wee, but I'm so excited we connected. I can't wait to talk to you a ton in 2022 and beyond. Dr. Ian K. Smith, thank you so much for coming on Talk Healthy today. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy Today. Please do rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And also, if you want some behind the scenes on Talk Healthy Today or a chance monthly to win my book, Clean Eating Dirty Sex, which is a memoir, cookbook, healthy lifestyle guide, it's the title is just a play on words, please go to www.lisadavismph.com. Sign up for my newsletter. And once a month, you'll be getting some great information as well as being entered into a contest to win my book. So again, go to www.lisadavismph.com. Get more on Talk Healthy Today and keep coming back. There's always great information. Thank you.